please be aware that the comments, views, opinions shared on this podcast are not meant to diagnose a medical problem and or legal problem. If you do have a medical problem or legal problem, kindly contact a professional. Welcome to An Apple A Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple A Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. An Apple A Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, go over there, check us out. You won't be sorry. How are you doing today, my friends? You feeling good? Feeling strong? You're doing everything the doctors are telling you to do? You're going to the therapist? You're doing your exercises? Excellent. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Well, I want to welcome the new listeners. I got a couple of new emails, so I want to I want to welcome you. I want to also let you know that in case I in case you don't know yet, we are now heard in 51 countries. Our newest country is Cambodia. That's right. We're heard in 51 countries. This is great. This is great. I want to welcome everyone, everyone to an apple a day. We have got a good one for you today. Some information that's going to shock you and probably some things that you didn't know. Things like, uh, number one, how many many times have you opened up a newspaper and you've seen some crazy study that people saying, Social media causes depression in young people and in old people, and they make you feel bad about yourself and all of this other nonsense. Well, we've got something that kind of counteracts all of that. We got a study that was written up in Medical News Today about can social media really cause depression? You're going to want to hear about that. Also, also, we have another study from Medical News Today that affects every one of us in the in the disabled community. What is acute stress disorder? Acute stress disorder is a mental health condition that can occur immediately after a traumatic event. <laughs> well, how how else are we here? We're, we're disabled nine times out of ten because of a traumatic event. So that's something that's interesting too. We got that re- we got that report from Medical News today. We're gonna go over that later on. And, oh boy, this is something that, you know, how many people out there, how many people go on these diets, you know, like, especially here, especially us, you know, we're disabled, we're not as mobile as we used to be, we can't get around as good as we used to, so we're putting on weight, so we have to look for ways to combat the weight that we're putting on, and the first thing we usually turn to is... Diet soda. We go to diet soda instead of regular soda. And, you know, you hear all these other stories, too, about how regular soda brings on diabetes. It's no good for your teeth. It's the whole nine yards, right? Well, have I got a secret for you about diet soda today? So you're going to want to hear about that. And that's done by by a doctor at Einstein Hospital in the Bronx, New York. So I got a couple of good studies going on. And... We're also going to discuss bullying. Yeah, that's right. We're going to discuss bullying. But it's a different type of discussion. 
Yeah, we all know about bullies in school, but this also affects adults. So we got a good one for you today. So let's just jump right into it, okay? Yeah, anyone that's listened to me for any length of time here now knows that I'm not the type of person that likes to blame something else for someone's personal behavior or personal problems. I don't I can't blame Facebook because little Johnny is depressed. Little Johnny's depressed because little Johnny's depressed. Facebook has nothing to do with it. And I think this study kind of backs me up on that. So let's go with it. It's from Medical News Today. The title of the study is, Can Social Media Really Cause Depression? The notion that social media has a negative impact on mental well-being is widespread. The researchers who conducted a new long-term study, however, say that this might not be the case. The supposed effects of social media on young people sound drastic enough to make anyone switch off their cell phones. Some studies have indicated that young people can develop an addiction to social media. Meanwhile, other studies have linked this with poor sleep, poor self-esteem, and potentially poor mental health. However, new research has now dispelled the belief that social media use can bring about depression. Previous studies have made this claim based on measurements from a single point in time, but this new study took a long-term approach. You have to follow the same people over time in order to draw the conclusion that social media use predicts greater depressive symptoms, says the lead study author Taylor Heffer of Brock University in St. Catharines, Canada. By using two large samples, we are able to empirically test the assumption. The real effect on mental health. The study focused on two separate groups of participants. One was made up of 594 adolescents in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grades in Ontario, Canada. The other comprised 1,132 undergraduate students. The team surveyed the younger group once per year for two years. They surveyed the older students annually for a total of six years, starting in their first year of university. The questions focused on how much time they spent on social media on weekdays and weekends, as well as how much time they spent on activities such as watching TV, exercising, and doing homework. They also took a look at symptoms of depression for the undergraduate students, they measured such symptoms as using the Center of Epidemiological Studies Depression Scale. They used a similar but more age-appropriate version for the younger participants. Next, the researchers analyzed the data, separating it into age and sex. The findings, which now appear in the Journal of Clinical Psychological Science, revealed that social media use did not lead to depressive symptoms later on. This held true in both groups of participants. The scientists also found that in adolescent females, higher depression symptoms predicted later social media use. Heffer points out that females of this age who are feeling down may turn to social media to try and make themselves feel better, reducing social media fear. These findings suggest that overuse of social media does not lead to depression. More importantly, this may go some way towards dissuading public fear 
over the impacts of technology. As Heffer explains, when parents read social media headlines such as Facebook depression, there is an inherent assumption that social media use leads to depression. Policymakers also have recently been debating ways to tackle the effects of social media use on mental health. It is likely that differences in factors such as personality play part in how social media can impact mental well-being. For example, some young people might choose to use social media negatively as a comparison tool, while others may simply use it to stay in touch with friends. Scientists will now need to further examine motivations such as these to help authorities, medical experts, and parents figure out best path forward. So there you have it. Yeah, and it's something I've been saying right along. Certain things, most things, don't create the problem. The problem already exists inside the person. Facebook, Twitter, all the rest of them, they're safe. It's the person themselves. So let's stop taking away personal responsibility and blaming it on something that's just there. You know, it's the person themselves that have the problem, not the, not the object. Okay, let's move on. Let's get on to acute stress disorder. What is acute stress disorder? Acute stress disorder is a mental health condition that can occur immediately after a traumatic event. It can cause a range of psychological symptoms, and without recognition or treatment, it can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. There is a close relationship between acute stress disorder, ASD, and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Some people develop PTSD after having ASD. According to United States Department of Veterans Affairs, approximately 19% of people will develop ASD after experiencing a traumatic event. Everyone responds to traumatic events differently, but it is important to be aware of the potential physical and psychological effects that can occur afterwards. In this article, we've discussed what ASD is and its symptoms and causes. We also cover diagnosis, treatment, and prevention. What is ASD? ASD is a relatively new psychological diagnosis. The American Psychiatric Association first introduced it to the fourth edition of Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders in 1994. Although it shares many of the same symptoms as PTSD, ASD is a distinct Diagnosis. A person with ASD experiences psychological distress immediately following a traumatic event. Unlike PTSD, ASD is a temporary condition and symptoms typically persist for at least 3 to 30 days after the traumatic event. If a person experiences symptoms for longer than a month, a doctor will usually assess them for PTSD. Symptoms. People who have ASD experience symptoms similar to those of PTSD and other stress disorders. ASD symptoms fall under five broad categories. Number one, intrusion symptoms. These occur when a person is unable to stop revisiting a traumatic event through flashbacks, memories, or dreams. Number two, negative mood. A person may experience negative thoughts, sadness, and low mood. Number three, 
disassociative symptoms. These can include an altered sense of reality, a lack of awareness of the surroundings, and an inability to remember parts of the traumatic event. Number four, avoidance symptoms. People with these symptoms purposely avoid thoughts, feelings, people, or places that they associate with the traumatic event. Number five, arousal symptoms. These can include insomnia and other sleep disturbances, difficulty concentrating, and irritability, or aggression, which can be either verbal or physical. The person can also feel tense or on guard and become startled very easily. People with ASD may develop additional mental health disorders such as anxiety or depression. Symptoms of anxiety include feelings of a sense of impending doom, excessive worry, difficulty concentrating, fatigue, restlessness, or racing thoughts. Symptoms of depression can include persistent feelings of hopelessness, sadness, or numbness, fatigue, crying unexpectedly, loss of interest in activities that were once pleasurable, changes in appetite or body weight, or thoughts of suicide or self-harm causes. People can develop ASD after experiencing one or more traumatic events. A traumatic event can cause significant physical, emotional, or psychological harm. Among others, possible traumatic events can include a life-changing physical accident, the death of a loved one, the threat of death or serious injury, natural disasters, motor vehicle accidents, sexual assault, rape, or domestic abuse, receiving a terminal diagnosis, surviving a traumatic brain injury. Risk factors. A person can develop ASD at any point in their life. However, some people may have higher risk of developing this condition. Factors that can increase an individual's risk of developing ASD include previously experiencing, witnessing, or having knowledge of a traumatic event, a history of other mental health disorders, a history of disassociative reactions to past traumatic events, being under 40 years old, and being female. The diagnosis. A doctor or mental health professional can diagnose ASD. They will ask questions about the traumatic event and the person's symptoms. A healthcare professional will usually diagnose ASD if a person develops nine or more ASD symptoms within one month of the traumatic event. Symptoms that appear after this time frame or persist longer than one month may indicate PTSD. To diagnose ASD, a healthcare professional will also rule out other possible causes such as other psychiatric disorders, substance abuse, or underlying medical conditions. Treatment. A healthcare professional will work closely with a person to develop a treatment plan that meets with their individual needs. Treatment for ASD focuses on reducing symptoms, improving coping mechanisms, and preventing PTSD. Treatment options for ASD may include cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. Doctors usually recommend CBT as the first-line treatment for people with ASD. CBT involves working with trained mental health professionals to develop effective coping strategies. Mindfulness. Mindfulness based on interventions teach techniques for managing stress and anxiety. These can include 
meditation and breathing exercises. Medications. A healthcare professional may prescribe antidepressants or anticonvulsants to help treat a person's symptoms. Prevention. It's not always possible to avoid experiencing a traumatic event. However, there are ways to reduce the risk of developing ASD afterwards. These can include consulting a doctor or mental health professional following a traumatic event, seeking support from family and friends, getting treatment for other mental health disorders, working with a behavioral coach to develop effective coping mechanisms, getting preparation training if a person's job involves high-risk exposure to traumatic events. And I'd say that's something like a police officer or fireman, an EMT, something like that, a soldier. In summary, ASD is not an uncommon condition and it can occur after a person experiences a traumatic event. People whose occupation exposes them to traumatic events can have a higher risk of developing ASD. ASD has a close relationship with PTSD, shares many of the same symptoms. However, ASD is a short-term condition that typically resolves within a month, whereas PTSD is a chronic condition. If a person has symptoms of ASD for longer than a month, a doctor may assess the person for PTSD. Treatment. Treatment aims to reduce the symptoms and help the person develop effective coping strategies. Options include CBT, mindfulness techniques, and medication. Reaching out to friends, family, and community for, for support and groups can also help a person process their feelings and move on with their life following a traumatic event. That's true. You know, I never thought that support groups really worked until, you know, naturally you experience something and you end up going to a support group and support groups do work. And I'm telling you that from personal experience. And one thing I I do want to share with you, I met a fella uh, about 15 years ago and he grew up in a, in a bad household, I guess. He had a mother that was a twisted, twisted woman. And for years he, he kept it buried inside of him until something happened to him in his forties. And he just snapped he snapped and he ended up luckily going to going to a hospital and they put him into therapy and everything and it turned out that he was suffering from PTSD from having this horrific childhood with this horrific mother so you know don't rule out going to a doctor if you're not feeling right don't 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 let people stigmatize mental health okay if you if you have a cold you go to the doctor if you have cancer you go to the doctor if you have problems don't let that stop you from going to a doctor right that that was a that was really a good report from medical news today i i found that very interesting and again don't be afraid to go to the doctor. Mental health is very important. It's very important. And it doesn't mean you're weak. Actually, it means you're strong if you seek out help. All right? Listen, we're going to take a bit of a break here. And on the other side, we're going to discuss this diet soda. And we're also going to discuss bullying. So stick around. And I'll see you on the other side. Be right back. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com, 
famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. And there you're going to find connections to our Facebook page, our Twitter page. You're going to find connections to our private chat board, our private chat rooms. You're also going to find that we're sponsored now by As Seen on TV. And there's a lot of products displayed on the page for you to check out. So you get a minute, go over there, check out www.famousapple.com. Tell your friends about us. But don't go until we finish the conversation. Let's get back to it. And we're back. That wasn't too bad. All right. Now, this next one, this next uh, article, this is an article. It came out of the Sun. It was, uh, it was published by Dr. Yasmin Romani. He's from Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, New York. And he's talking about diet soda. Now, how many people go on a diet, and the first thing they do is they knock out regular soda. It's the funniest thing. In my family, my mother used to go on a diet every week. Every week when we were growing up. She'd quit regular Pepsi and start drinking diet Pepsi. She'd still order a whole pizza. But I guess she thought that drinking diet Pepsi would counteract the pizza. But that always seems to be the way it is. People always start out their diet by going to diet soda and salad. And it never works. But now... There's a study done by Dr. Romini of Einstein College in the Bronx. And uh, this is pretty shocking, actually. I want to read it to you. The title of this this article from The Sun is, Drinking Diet Coke every day increases your risk of dying young, experts have warned. Two or more artificially sweetened drinks a day ups the risk of stroke by a quarter and heart disease by a third, the findings show. Drinking just two diet drinks a day increases the risk of stroke by a quarter and heart disease by a third. And compared with people who never touch them, the risk of early death is 16% higher for diet drink guzzlers. Diet drinks are not harmless. Scientists have warned their findings should serve as a warning to those on diets. Dr. Yasmin Romani, lead author of the study at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, New York, said many well-meaning people, especially those who are overweight or obese, drink low-calorie sweetened drinks to cut calories in their diet. Our research and other observational studies have shown that artificially sweetened beverages may not be harmless and high consumption is associated with higher risk of stroke and heart disease. Heart disease is where the blood vessels that supply the heart and blood flow narrow, increasing the risk of heart attack, angina, and stroke. There you have it. Those symptoms sound eerily similar to what cigarettes do to your arteries and your veins. Because every time you take a drag off a cigarette, it makes your your arteries and your veins constrict and narrow. And (laughs) getting back to something else, now they want to legalize pot. And I'm sure that's going to do the same thing every time you take a toke off a joint. But that's another story. But, you know, the thing that people don't realize, too, is some of these sugar substitutes that they put into these diet sodas and diet drinks, they're no good for you. There's one that actually causes cancer. And others, they affect your diabetes. If you're a diabetic, diet drinks... Diet soda is no good for you. So it's something to look at. It's something to keep in mind. It's something to think about. The best the best diet drink for you 
is water, believe it or not. And they have flavors out there. Well, you, I, I, like, I like water from Walmart. Walmart. Walmart has this water called Clear Choice, and it's flavored water. It's naturally carbonated. There's, there's nothing in it. No carbs, no sugar, no salt, nothing. And it is so good. And I, I personally like the orange, orange cream water. It tastes like you're drinking candy or the key, the key lime. It tastes like you're drinking a pie. Try the flavored water. But the diet soda and stuff like that, boy, stay away from it. It's bad for you. It's not only bad for not only bad for you. It's bad for your teeth. It's bad for your diabetes. It's bad for you. That's the only thing I can I can say. I remember when I first got diagnosed with diabetes. The first thing the doctor told me was stay away from diet soda. Don't drink diet soda. I was like, why? That's better than drinking soda with sugar in it, no? And he just told me stay away from diet soda, and lose weight. <laughs> and then I go to Weight Watchers, and I asked the, the leader at Weight Watchers, and I said, what about diet soda? And she said, stay away from diet soda. Drink water. Drink water? I, I wasn't used to drinking water at that point. But you know what? I noticed right along now, ever since, any diet that you go on, they all say, drink water. None of them say drink diet soda. So I guess this article must be right. And I, I'm going to put it this way. He's the doctor. So I'm going to take his words as fact. So anyhow, let's move on here. I want to talk about bullying. And the reason this is coming up is I was amongst some friends. And we were talking about their kid getting bullied at school. Now, when I was a kid, my father always told me, never start a fight. And I never did. Never start a fight, but always finish the fight. In other words, don't run away from a fight. And my friend is telling telling us that he tells his kid, if somebody hits him or somebody does something to him, run. Run? What are you kidding me? Run. I told my daughter, and this goes back years ago, she was getting picked on in school. Now, it's a long story, but my daughter was adopted. I, we adopted her. And she was getting picked on, and she came home one day, and she was crying. And I said, well, what happened? And she was telling me what happened. And I said, well, why are you taking that? And she says, well, what am I supposed to do? I said, you're supposed to not cry on her ass. And uh, she says, well, I can do that. I said, look, I said, I'm not telling you to start a fight. I'm not telling you to fight with anyone. I'm just telling you to stand up for yourself. Don't stand there and be a punching bag for anyone. If a teacher's nearby, tell the teacher. If the teacher's not nearby, I said, don't ever back down from a bully. And, well, she took that to heart. It was about a week later, I get a call from the police station that I have to go up to the school and pick up my daughter. She's in the principal's office. When I get up there, they have my daughter and they have this other girl. And what had happened was the other girl threw a container of milk or something at my daughter. My daughter got up and she went across the table in the lunchroom and knocked the crap out of this kid. And I said, and the problem is, you know, what's the problem here? And they said, well, she, she hit the other girl. I said, no way. I said, if the girl hit her first, she just defended herself. They didn't want to hear that. Zero tolerance, they told me. And there was a cop there. Handed me a ticket, handed the other kid's parents a ticket. We had to go to court. They ended up issuing me a ticket for, they issued me a fine, I should say, for $400 because my daughter defended herself, which I think is nonsense. But judge asked me, he says, what would you do if your daughter came home and asked you and told you about this? 
this again. I said, I would tell her to do the same thing again. And he said to me, he says, if something like this happens again, he says, I'm warning, I'm going to report you to children and youth. Since when is it wrong to stick up for yourself? I'm sorry. I don't want my kids running away from anything because what happens is you teach them to run away now when they're young, they're going to run away for the rest of their life. That's the way I see it. I want my kids to stand up for themselves when they're young. I see it now where people think it's, you know, bullies. When they see that you're running away from them, you're going to go call the teacher. What's going to happen? The teacher's going to come over and tell the bully, stop picking on so-and-so. And what, what does that do? That makes the bully, that gives him like a badge of honor. He picked on them. He got away with it. Your kid went and called, went and got help from the teacher. And that makes them a, a, a sissy for lack of a better word. And this kid, this bully grows up to be a bully in, in, in adult life, and your kid grows up to be a sissy in adult life. No, I'm sorry. I think that's wrong. I think it's 100% wrong. I don't want to see my kids fight. I don't want to see anybody fight. I don't want to see, but I don't want to see my kids getting bullied. I think kids should stand up to a bully. That's my, that's my thought. Am I right? I don't know. I know I stood up to bullies when I was a kid, and I found that when you stand up to a bully, the bully goes away. When you stand up to a bully, the bully backs down because bullies are just chickens as far as I'm concerned. They look for someone that they think they can beat up or they think they can take on. And once they find out that they can't take you on, they're scared of you. And it's the same thing. What I'm getting at, it's the same thing for us as a as, as disabled people. If you let people push you around, I, I see it myself. Being in a wheelchair, I see it myself. A lot of times, I used to catch myself apologizing to people for being in the way, even though I was there first. And I'd see those those nasty looks I'd get from people because I was in a wheelchair. I was at a, I was at a graduation for a family member. And the looks I got from people because I dared go there in a wheelchair. And I felt bad. I felt bad. I kept on apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get out of your way. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I should have punched them in the throat. <laughs> I deserve to be there just as much as you do. Or the people that, that when you go to certain certain uh, activities, they say, oh, you wait over here. And they let all these people that can walk go ahead of you. Whether you believe it or not, that's that's a that's a... A form of bullying. Why should you let them go ahead of me when I got there before them? Or someone that goes onto an airplane. I had this happen to me too. I Before I was in a wheelchair, when I could still walk, I was getting on a plane. I had a cane. And I picked my seat. I picked a, a, a seat on the wing because it had a little bit more leg room. And I could stretch my leg out. When I got, a, when I got to the plane and I showed the stewardess my, uh, my ticket, they switched my seat. I said, no, no, no. I said, I have a wing seat. No, I can't put you there. What do you mean you can't put me there? Nope, because God forbid the plane goes down or there's an emergency. You can't you can't react fast enough. How do you know I can't react fast enough? Let me tell you something. If I'm up in the air and the plane is falling, I become Superman. I'll fly out of that plane. But they were, they, they were refusing to let me have the seat that I had secured. And it ended up I couldn't have it. And I didn't want to make a big scene, which was stupid. I should have. And I ended up in this cramped seat. And what it was, was I had had surgery on my knee a short time before that. And I ended up in this cramped seat and I had my foot out in the aisle then. And every so every time they came down the aisle, they were like, oh, you have to put your foot underneath the seat in front of you. It was the most uncomfortable flight I had ever been on. But again, that was a form of bullying. I had the seat. I reserved the seat. And they're going to tell me that by looking at me, they don't think I could react quick enough. Who are they to say that? 
Don't give in to bullies. That's the whole point of this. Don't make your kids give in to bullies. Make your kids stand up to them. I'm not saying tell them to get a bat and hit them in the head, but stand up to bullies. Stand up to them. Don't let them threaten you. Muster up the courage. Stand up to them. If they don't, it, it, if it turns into something physical, then we'll, then it turns into something physical. You know, be prepared. You might get hurt. You probably won't. Because if you stand up to a bully, nine times out of ten, the bully backs down. Well, I want to thank you for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. And I'll be talking to you again next Tuesday or Wednesday. But before you go, I want to remind you, no matter what, things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody striving, trying, wishing they they were in your position. Remember that. Things can always be worse. Okay, my friends, have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself, enjoy the weather, enjoy each other, and I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.